Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times, and I survived. My story didn't end that frightful night. This attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years. I'm Amanda Bedard, and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears. Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. The studies on mental health have come leaps and bounds in the last handful of decades. Though, yes, it needs to continue in that upwards movement. On February 16, 1856, a woman committed an unspeakable crime that depending on who you believe, was at the hands of an undiagnosed mental illness. A woman whom others believe should never have received the leniency she received in her sentencing. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Celestina Summer was born on July 1, 1827, as the fourth of eight children born to a respectable family living in the North London borough of Islington. As Celestina grew up, she became an accomplished pianist, began teaching music, and performed regularly at the famed St. Martin's Hall as a member of the prestigious John Hula School of Music. Then, in 1845, at the age of just 18 years old, Celestina gave birth to an illegitimate daughter whom she named after herself. A pregnancy like hers in that time period sent her promising future into a complete tailspin. And because of the social stigmas for unmarried mothers, the baby was immediately handed over to a baby farmer where she stayed until she was 10 years old. But more on that in a second. 
Celestina, in 1854, married a Prussian migrant worker named Charles Summer, and from the moment of their marriage, moved to nearby Packington Estate. On February 16, 1856, Celestina Sr. went over to the foster parents who had been raising her daughter, collected her, and led her back to their new home. But instead of becoming the mother she could not be at the age of 18, Celestina took her estranged daughter down to the front cellar, looked her in the eyes, and slit her throat. An event heard by Rachel Munt, the maid of all work, who had been sleeping in the kitchen adjacent to the cellar. The next day, Rachel, without her employer knowing, was able to raise the alarm, and at around 4.30 p.m. on February 17th, both Celestina and Charles were arrested on suspicion of murder and taken to the Hoxton police station. During two different hearings in front of the magistrate, the victim was identified as Celestina's daughter, and motive was, incorrectly, deduced. Charles was quickly freed after the courts realized he had nothing to do with the murder, as he was out of the house and never met his wife's illegitimate child. Celestina, however, was held for judgment. Rachel Munt acted as a key witness in the trial and was, as a result, chased through Arlington Street by an angry mob. They were saved by a police sergeant who pulled them through the rear door of a nearby pub and then escorted home by the police. After determining that her mental health was intact, on April 10, 1856, after 15 minutes of deliberation, Celestina Summer was found guilty of willful murder and, as a result of the verdict, slumped onto the ground unconscious. She was sentenced to death for her crimes. Despite the notoriety and gruesome details of her crime, Celestina attracted support from the public based largely on her claimed, but legally rejected, insanity. Everyone who stood beside her believed her when she said she was not of sound mind when she killed her daughter. And Alfred Diamond, Secretary of Society for the Abolition of Capital Punishment, became one of her most energetic supporters. Their protests seemed to work, and later, Home Secretary Sir George Grey gave in and came to her rescue. His decision was both praised and deeply criticized, with the Glasgow Herald writing, a she-devil who deliberates, inveigles her child into her den, and cuts her throat, adding to the horror and barbarity of the act by vociferations of her resolution to perpetrate it in answer to the prayers of her struggling victim, is thought a proper object for the clemency of the Crown by the Home Office. Outcries continued involving debates about crime and punishment, insanity, female felons, parliamentary discourse, nepotism, racial favoritism, royal collusion, and gender bias. Celestina Summer's sentence was commuted first to transportation and then to penal servitude for life. She was released and became a celebrity of sorts for both her crime and her escape from the death penalty. She became a woman both renowned and despised across the country. Celestina Summer spent the next several years moving through the British penal system as it became more and more apparent the issues with her mental health. Then went her physical health, and on April 11, 1859, Celestina passed away at the age of 31, having last been sent to a criminal lunatic asylum outside Bethlehem. According to the postmortem report, her cause of death was a hemiplegia, stroke, from the congestion of and cirrhose effusion on the brain, and was possibly consistent with brain damage, which may account for her mental health condition. According to the report from her prison matron, Celestina died a, quote, confirmed lunatic. 
Decades later, her case was rediscovered and sparked a fierce debate on criminal insanity, capital punishment, crime, and gender. The major arguments lie in the lack of absolute definition for insanity in the time period she was charged, nor its mitigation for a criminal act. Many, including members of her own jury, believed that the crime felt too premeditated for it to be considered a true act of insanity. But as we now know, this is not always the case. There is also debate on just why Celestina was saved from the gallows, whether it was truly because of a second look at her mental health, the growing dissatisfaction with the death penalty, or because she was a young, beautiful woman who was let off due to being the, quote, weaker sex. Regardless, it's easy to look at her case with the eyes of a more modern judicial and mental health system. Changes that, if this case happened today, would have absolutely seen a completely different outcome. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on February 17th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.